Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. <laughs> Tommy, Ocean Chinook or Puget Sound Coho, what is your palate favorite? And you drop yeah. that kokanee on top of that barn door halibut's head, 67 feet of water, and he was not happy about that. Well, I don't know. What do you think? Boxers or briefs? Ooh, I'm going to have to go with a European cut speedo. Fantastic. Excellent choice. I yeah. love tuna. I do love tuna. Heck yeah! <laughs> hey, you know, I have a buddy who refers to Canadian geese as flying carp. Obviously, he's not cooking them. <laughs> he clearly, right? Oh, ocean snook. Seriously? Hands down. Really? Hands down. I don't fish for coho. Ah, good point. Hey, speaking of grind, can you tell the difference between ground deer and ground elk? Honestly, taste the difference. You know, Dwayne, we only get one chance to live this life, mm -hmm. and you will always regret the things that you don't do. So you know what I tell people? Buy the damn boat. Hey, you know, the facts are some days are just a grind. Welcome to Fish Hunt Northwest, the number one fishing and hunting talk show throughout the Pacific Northwest and beyond. Now here's your host, Dwayne England, and of course, the infamous Tommy Donlan. Good evening and welcome to Fish Hunt Northwest, Dwayne England and Tommy Donlan to mm. my immediate right. Welcome back, buddy. Hey, thanks, man. I, I really enjoy being back at sea level, you know, having a little <laughs> bit more oxygen to breathe after being uh, at 10,000 feet. Yeah, 10,000 feet. We're going to get into that. We we're just looking up a few stats on that because I knew there was something to 10,000 <laughs> foot elevation in regards to oxygen saturation. And if you're just sitting there, no big deal, but you had a little bit of work to oh, do. Oh, yes, so we did. It's kind of interesting. But, heavy uh, lifting. Yeah, glad to have you back in studio, bud. We're going to get to your hunt here as we move on through the show tonight. I want to welcome everybody to the Fish on Northwest studio. We are live 6 p.m. Thursday evening from the studios here in the lovely town of Olympia, Washington. And glad, so glad all of you could join us. Uh, hey, what do you think about the decor? You did a good job with this. Uh, I, I, this, this looked like Shing. Yeah. But yeah. I, I was a little surprised to hear that you actually decorated. I did this. And, uh, yeah. you know, I take my notes from her. Yep. Uh, she's a pretty good coach. She in taught you well. Yeah, she taught yeah. me well. So welcome. It is the holiday season, the Christmas season. And hey, Tommy, let's face it, you or I are not fearful to wish everybody a Merry Christmas. Absolutely not. Right? And as we roll into the new year. So I think we've decided we're going to be, you know, definitely tonight's show, obviously, uh, next week. And then we're going to take that Christmas week off as we typically mm -hmm. do, right? So the 23rd, we won't have a show. But uh, you know what? Between now and then, we still have a couple shows to get through. We have plenty of content to get through. And uh, as we wrap up the end of the year, the 30th will be our last show, Kissing 2021 Goodbye. Put it in the rear, rear view. Look forward mm -hmm. to 2022. So I think we're going to get out of here in 2021 uh, on the 30th with a, uh, a bang buster of a show. I think mm -hmm. we're going to put something together for that and some giveaways and whatnot. But, um, hey, glad everybody could join us. Lots of folks signing on. We have a fantastic show lined up for you this evening. Tommy's just back from his elk hunt in uh, Wyoming, and we actually were in Wyoming over the the uh, the Thanksgiving uh, holiday as well, so we kind of passed, uh, passed paths there in and out, but um, glad to have you back, and we're going to get to that hunt later on, but uh, before we get there, hey, want to remind everybody, take some time, if you would, please, jump over to our YouTube channel if you haven't, and subscribe. Let's try to blow those numbers up. We continue to uh, create and put content over there as well. A lot of you folks are following us here on Facebook, which is great, but we really want to see you join us on the 
YouTube platform as well. And yes, if you're a gamer, we are also on Twitch. You can check us out there and soon to be live streaming via Instagram as well. So you can find us all over the place. We're working hard to bring this to you each and every week, uh, live as we do, unscripted, unedited, and in their face. Wouldn't you say, Tommy? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Each and every week. Completely so, unedited. Uh, completely unfiltered. Un- yes, unfiltered. Uh, as much or as clean as we can keep it. Jump over to our webpage, www.fishhuntnw.com. Check out a lot of uh, things happening there. I put up... Uh, just recently, I had forgotten, so I posted up my latest um, egg curing blog that we put out on Potsky's here several weeks ago. Yeah, it's kind of winding down, but egg curing recipes are always something to take a look at just to keep up on, you know, what's the latest and greatest. And we just got a lot of really good content over there. Our buddy Ken Witt, uh, mm-hmm. the hunting dad, uh, chimes in from time to time and puts uh, great segments on there, great uh, blogs, if you will. So just a lot of really good content. Our recipes are hosted there. Lots of good information over at www.fishhuntnw.com. Check it out. So with tonight, Tommy, you're back. Lots to cover. Uh, you know, we've had a, um, a couple weeks here. Last week, you forced me to do this all by myself. Yeah, sorry about that. Yeah, it happens, you know, and we got through some uh, good stuff. The steelhead fishing and the seasons, the season that we were dealt was on the minds of many, and we kind of recapped that the best we could. Had a lot of really good response to that, and as we now find ourselves rolling into this current steelhead season, uh, you know, we're going to do the best we can to bring it to you uh, as often as we can uh, as it relates to steelhead and where we can fish and when and, and how bank uh, Kenya fish out of a boat. Are you on the Bogashio, the Kalawa? I mean, there's a lot of moving parts here, so uh, with that it's not all doom and gloom. We still do have some opportunity. And I want to remind everybody, hey, Saturday morning, 11 a.m., join us down there at Sportco. Myself and, and buddy Joey Princeton of uh, JP's Guide Service, we're going to be down there at Sportco 11 to 1. And we are hosting a, Sportco is hosting, we are presenting a steelhead seminar. Going to cover a lot of ground here. Joey's going to put on his presentation. Me personally, for you, I'm going to cover some of the basics, getting back to some basics. You know, Tommy, as we're forced to get out of the boat and get on the bank and fish, it's kind yeah. of a different take. It's back kind of how we used to do things before we got into these boat races all the time. Yeah. So you kind of slow it down, take a stretch or a piece of water, and guess what? Mm-hmm. For me, it all starts with the ability to read water. Mm-hmm. Got to be able to read water. If you're going to find fish, and once you understand how to read water, then we have a number of different presentations we can uh, present at our disposal. And I'm going to do my best to cover four or five different techniques. Uh, But I'm going to break it down starting off reading water and, you know, where to put your time in, where not to waste your time. Mm -hmm. And uh, because time is valuable, you know, time time on the river is valuable. So you want to get the most bang for your buck. So we're going to break it down, how to read water, and we're going to move into four or five different presentations and techniques. And then hopefully you guys have questions. I'm there as long as you need me to be, answer questions, just hang out. We're going to have a bunch of swag there to sell so you can help support our uh, support our endeavors here. And uh, looking forward to it. So, yeah, join us down there, Sport Co. in Fife, 11 a.m., and uh, you will not be disappointed. And, uh, oh, by the way, if you're there and happen to find some shotgun shells... <laughs> you're lucky because um, you're going to need them. If you're going to join you and I. That's right. On the 22nd. Yep. Right? Yep. Wednesday, the 22nd. Wednesday, the 22nd. Yeah. We did it on a Wednesday because we're going to be over there, Potholes Reservoir, with our buddy Shelby Ross, Ross Outdoor Adventures. We have scheduled a day of hunting, and if the ducks are there and the duck hunting is fantastic, we'll go 
in the duck blind and shoot some ducks and if it's a better option to do a goose hunt guess what we're going to lay down in the blinds in the field and we're going to blast some geese yeah either way we're looking forward to a fantastic day uh shelby ross ross outdoor adventures if you want to join us you're going to show up on the 21st that's when uh, the party starts that's when the party starts yeah. you're going to get there on the 21st you're going to arrive we'll get you into your lodging going to join us for dinner all included lodging dinner if we're in the duck blind the next day, you're gonna get uh, get spoiled with the duck kebabs. I'm telling you right I'm now. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, it's gonna be amazing. And of course, you're uh, sitting there hanging out with a great group of guys, and we're blasting mm-hmm. ducks or gals, and um, we get to uh, we get to be on a guided hunt. Get to hang out with Shelby, who's just a phenomenal human being, great dude to hang out with, and his crew. <clears throat> and uh, you know who doesn't like to watch the dogs work? Mm-hmm. Seriously, those birds hit the water, send those dogs. It's just a really great experience. So uh, if you can join us, 350 for all of that, all included for 350 heck of a deal. Give Shelby a call, 509-750-7763. Tell them you are signing up with the Fish Hunt Northwest guys for the Wednesday hunt on the 22nd. Would love to see you there. We have a number of folks that have signed up, so it's getting nice and full with uh, participants, but there's always room for more. And we are looking forward to having a great time. How I'm just trying you? to figure out who the dog is. Is that like you draw straws and whoever draws the shortest straw? I mean, is Dakota going to be there? Dakota is going to be there. Okay. He's bringing his guitar for a little entertainment. All right. The, the party starts the night before. Right. Dakota's in the house. He's bringing his guitar as he never travels without it. So we get to look forward to that. And if you recall last year when we were hunting, mm-hmm. Dakota was my retriever. Yeah. We put him in that puddle jumper kayak and send that kid on out there, and he did great. Got caught up in the wind a little yeah. bit, and I was fearful for about 10 seconds. Then I realized, hey, you know what? He can swim. Yeah. He's got a PD. He'll, he'll be good. He'll be good. I, I can't kayak, so that just automatically negates me from this job. Well, you would need one for each foot. Yes. You would I actually would. wear them I mean, like snowshoes. Need, yeah, like a little catamaran. Yeah, and you, yeah. Yeah, catamaran yeah. Tommy. Yeah, you'd be out there <laughs> fetching. Yeah, that would take forever. So, uh, good stuff. Yeah, Dakota's going to be there. A handful of guys are going to be there. We have a great trip lined up and really looking forward to that. So, hey, um, did you get your Fisherman's Brew coffee yet? I did. And? I did. Oh, it's amazing. I love the, I'm, I'm a French roast guy. You yeah, know, the, you are. The dark, darker, the better. I yeah, really yeah, like yeah. that. Yep. Um, so that'd be the steelhead blend. Steelhead blend, yeah. or you get the king salmon blend, either or, you know, if you haven't got all your gifts, all your stocking stuffers for the holidays and are still looking for something, these guys are blowing it out there. Um, 5% of your purchase is going towards salmon recovery here in Washington State. Do us a favor, do them a favor, help support small business, Fisherman's Brew. Check them out, www.fishermansbrew.com, and uh, put your money to good use. And not to mention, you're going to enjoy this coffee, I assure you. Definitely worth uh, getting on their website and checking it out. So, uh, with that, Tommy, running down the show, it's a busy one, and we got some great guests lined up. Pretty excited about this tonight. Uh, first of all, when we come back after the break, we are going to delve into your final hunt of the season. Successful hunt, nonetheless. Uh, back from Wyoming with another cow notch in the belt. Mm-hmm. And really, I want to kind of delve into this and compare your Idaho uh, to your Wyoming hunt. Successful in your own right, um, all three of you, times two, not to mention your whitetail hunt. But Mm -hmm. comparatively, the cow elk tag process and going and, you know, being successful, I really want to kind of do a comparison on the hunts. And we're going to kind of talk a little bit about the online tag process. Mm -hmm. So I'm looking forward to this conversation. This is going to be great. Um, Then as we move on through the show, first time on the show, a gentleman that uh, really needs no introduction, many 
know who he is, but if you haven't heard of him, you want to stick around tonight. Rylan Waithman is joining us. He is still in the running to fill that final seat on the WDFW or the Fish and Wildlife Commission, as it were, right? We have a vacant seat. He represents the east side, which is where the vacancy is. And we're going to delve into this with Ryland and really break it down exactly why he's in the running and how important it is to find him in the seat. Uh, yes, our next Fish and Wildlife Commissioner, please. Ryan Waithman's joining us later in the show. And then uh, a favorite of many, Tommy. I don't know if you've ever met Sammy Baird. I, I haven't, but I but I recognize the hashtag anti-pro. <laughs> hashtag anti-pro is his calling sign. Uh, you'll appreciate the picture we'll put up later with him uh, with the grip and grin on the fish sticks box. Sammy is a gem. I've known him for years. We've been friends a long time. He is one hell of a fisherman, and uh, he, he has a following like no other as far as a professional guide. He says anti-pro, but he is a professional guide on the east side. Sammy's going to join us tonight. If you recall last year when we went over to Rufus Woods, okay, mm-hmm. and there's a certain approach to that game, anchoring up by the net pins, utilizing the jingling jigs as we did, yep. found it to be very successful, took home a great number of fish of adequate uh, size, of size. Yes. and flavor and all that, right? Well, Sammy is, has been fishing with a buddy, little different program, and here's, here's the emphasis. With the lack of fisheries on the west side, it's already been known uh, uh, across social media is, look, mm-hmm. people are going to be flocking to the east side. Yep. People are going to be fishing Rufus Woods, Roosevelt, and we're going to be part of that. Mm-hmm. But here's the deal. Sammy has a great alternative, alternate method to finding success. We don't have to anchor up at the net pens and hang out with probably this year, and this is no exaggeration, 75 to 100 other boats, mm-hmm. okay? We're going to move out around on this 55-mile reservoir and utilize different techniques, successful proven techniques, to find these triploids and get away from people and truly enjoy mm-hmm. what that fishery is all about. Yeah, like, it's, it, you know, and it's really a very technical fishery, too, if you have to fish the net pens. Oh, yeah. Because you're dealing with the current. You have yep. to have your boat in the right location. It's mm-hmm. not like... Anywhere that you pull up around the net pen is going to be successful. Yeah. There's specific locations. Yep. Then you're dealing with the anchor chains yep. uh, for the net pens, <clears throat> and you got to cast at the right location. You have to have the right way to jig. I mean, there's a lot of it that has to come together for you to be successful. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So the main emphasis will be a lot of folks getting over there, anchoring up and hanging out at those net pens. Why? Because all the, all the big fish come back mm-hmm. to get on the food treadmill and they just sit there with their mouth open and that stuff just washes in their throat yep. and they fatten up and it's great and you have an opportunity to catch a 20 pound triploid, no exaggeration. But there's another, a uh, couple other alternatives. Sammy's fantastic. We're gonna help you discover different ways to fish that reservoir to truly, again, get out away from people, enjoy for what it is, enjoy the day, the sunshine, the cold air, mm-hmm. and just truly take all that in. I so, like that idea. Yep, I can't wait to get Sammy on. It's been a while, and uh, he's always a fantastic guest. Lots of folks signing in tonight just to hear what it is he has to say along with Ryland. Great show lined up. Uh, don't go anywhere. Going to remind you of the Steelhead Seminar once again before we get out of here in the duck hunt. But before we get there, uh, we're going to jump out for a quick break. When we come back... Tommy Donlin, my friend, you are front and center. Let's do it. We're going to talk about this Idaho versus Wyoming cow elk hunt, successful hunt, and uh, kind of just what it took to get it done and the fact that you got so much elk in your, your uh, garage right now, you didn't bring me a single piece. <laughs> we'll get into it's that. It's still hanging from the rafters. Yep, hang in there. We'll be back in a couple minutes after this commercial break right here. Fish on Northwest. 
Sportco, an outdoor emporium, is the largest local outfitter in the Northwest since 1975, providing thousands of people affordable outdoor gear. Make your next outdoor adventure more affordable by shopping at our warehouse-style pricing. We are a local Scotty dealer, offering sales, service, and repair. Located in Fife and Seattle, come visit us today. The outdoors await you. It's easier than ever to browse homes and connect with an agent on the go with Better Homes and Gardens Real Estate's mobile app. With the app, your home search is synced across all of your devices, so you can pick up your home search anytime, anywhere. Take full advantage of an enriched, mobile-optimized map search experience. Use location services to quickly find homes near you that match your search criteria. Draw your own map boundaries to find homes in a specific area, and apply layers to view school districts, neighborhoods, zip codes, and more. The app's user-friendly design makes it easier than ever to find a home you'll love. Narrow down your search results, save your search criteria, and save your favorite homes. You can browse your saved homes in a list view that puts photos and key details, like price and square footage, right at your fingertips. Or check out your saved homes displayed on the map. Welcome back, Fish on Northwest, Wayne England, Tommy Dolan. Hey, you like this festive mug? I like it. Huh? I like it. Shing, shing. It's, it's a little backwards, though, right? Because yeah, the little guy should be on the... Yeah, if I was left-handed, the... it'd be fine, right? But, yeah, uh, yeah no. Uh, anyway. Hey, we got a question. Oh, and I think I think this is right up your alley. Okay. So, so Mike H. says, you know, if you're going winter steelhead fishing and you got eggs, mm -hmm. are you throwing those over any kind of jig or bead or anything of that sort? So this year, Mike, really what it comes down to is know where you are fishing and if bait is even allowed. If you're on any of these coastal rivers that happen to remain open and have opportunity, there is no bait sent, single point barbless hook, single lure, the whole deal, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. Now, if you get into other parts of the, the region, some of the southwest region, check your regs. There is some rivers, little hidey holes, bait is still permissible. Uh, look, if I'm going fishing to where an area where bait is allowed, you can bet your uh, bottom line that I probably have some form of bait with me. Uh, some of the things I'll cover in the seminar Saturday, but, you know, I, I seldom have ever cure up uh, salmon roe anymore for steelhead baits mm. because so many of the artificials work so well. Mm -hmm. The beads work so well. The jigs, the, the soft plastic worms, the WFO, they all work so well. And uh, something as simple as a tiger prawn out of the freezer, mm -hmm. a little chunk of white meat, if I'm going to drift fish or, or a bobber dog, something of that sort, the, uh, the durability and the visibility of that natural bait, that white meat works so well. I hardly use eggs. One thing I will show at the seminar on Saturday, if I do use eggs, I'm probably tying small spawn bags with Potsky trout eggs much like they fish in the Great Lakes region for steelhead, they use a lot of roe and spawn bags, but simply using multicolor of different trout eggs in the small spawn bags, a couple little floaties in there, soaked in a nectar krill anise concoction. Mm. I, Tommy, I got those baits in that refrigerator. They've been there for like three, four years. God, well, that makes me hungry. Yeah, well, they don't go bad because uh, they've been cooked and processed and they're just a very durable bait. So yeah. I've changed the whole bait program, but I think first and foremost, check your regs if you can even use bait. That's the bottom line. So uh, with that there, Thomas, you just got back from Wyoming. Yeah. And you put in for uh, a Caltech. I did, and I drew. Yeah, and yeah. How, 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 how and why? You know, 
in, so in Wyoming, it doesn't take any special preference points or point accumulation to draw the tag. Um, so if you are saving up points for maybe that bull hunt that you want to do down the line, yeah, um, you're not spending them on a cow hunt, yeah, right, on a yeah, type yeah, six yeah. or seven hunt, yeah. Um, and so you know, I mean, I'm looking for opportunity to hunt elk in every western state, right? Yep. And I'm trying to increase my knowledge of the animal and all the opportunities in the states. So so this was just kind of like the next step. It's the first time I've hunted Wyoming, and um, it was just something that I wanted to go do. Yeah. Yeah. So much like Idaho, cow tag. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right? <clears throat> and um, you guys, the group of three, I mean, you were successful on both accounts. You got all we three were. of you got your cows in both states. We did. How do you compare those two hunts? First of all, elevation-wise, Idaho versus Wyoming. Yeah. Was there a difference? It was brutal. Wyoming is, um, so where we were hunting it was very brutal in western Wyoming. It was high elevation. We were at 10,000 feet. Yeah. Um, and it was, like, I don't think the wind ever shuts off. I mean, it <laughs> no, was it doesn't. the first day of the hunt. It was blowing sustained 61 miles per hour mm. with gusts to 86. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sign that, me up. That's almost unhuntable. I mean, if you look at your bullet and how far it drifts at 200, I mean, it's over a foot, right? Yeah. And so long shots are out of the question. It's really open country. There's not a lot of timber. Mm-hmm. And that Wyoming hunt, it's a late season hunt. So those elk are migrating into that area and collecting by the thousands. Okay. And so you're intercepting them as they come into that wintering area. You saw some pretty big herds. We did. Yeah. We did. We saw one. I think Jordan's got the picture. You know, we saw one herd that just, it was like 350. We saw at the, the end of the first day. Yeah. And you look at that, and I go, that you know, that's the most elk I've ever seen in my life right yeah. there. And they were coming up over the ridge like an, like a pile of ants, just one right after the other. And you were like, um, this, this can't be happening. I know. It was just, it was surreal. It was and like, you, okay, you this is happening. This Idaho, is what happens. Right? Like. You did not see that in Idaho. No, we didn't see that in Idaho. And, you know, in, in Idaho, so this is like your typical winter behavior. Um, where they group up in the massive herds. And, you know, our October hunt in Idaho, um, they really were in that transition phase, and they weren't, it was post-rut. Um, they weren't really gathering up yet. Mm-hmm. And we didn't really have that winter weather to kind of force them into these large herds. Yeah. Um, so it was a little bit different hunt. We were, we were targeting a smaller number of animals, which is good because, you know, the, the challenge in Wyoming is you've got all this open terrain. You've got nowhere to hide. Sure. Right? You're, yeah. not, you're not working through a lot of timber, <laughs> Um, it's really open. So if one of those 300 elk see you, you're busted. Now in Idaho, you guys put the smack down on those cows almost simultaneously. We did. Yep. Right. Yep. Similar, same program in Wyoming. It was, it was the same do? program. So, um, you know, day one, we got blown out. I mean, it was with the wind. 61 the miles weather. per hour. It was snow. They were no snow the first day. Okay. It was sunny and just windy. Yeah. Um, and those elk were in a hole until the very end of the first day. And we saw them. Um, didn't have time to go chase them. The second day, it snowed, and the visibility went to about 200 yards. Ugh. And so there's really, you know, this is a this is a glassing game for this place. You're yeah. not yeah. you're not just going to drive around with 200 yards of visibility and find elk. Um, there's no <clears throat> there's no access to them. So you know, day two was a bust. Um, day three, um, I glassed up elk first thing in the morning from about three miles away at the top of the range uh, on the opposite ridge. And I said, okay, let's go. It's game time, you know? And so we drove as close as we could, and we started this arduous hike uphill, um, you know, from about 8,600 feet all the way up to 10,000. <laughs> How'd that feel? Yeah. And that, let me tell you what, that sucked. There's not, a, you know, and, and I prepared for this hunt. I mean, 
been working out, been doing the the workout that, cardio that game. Mitch yeah. got us from the rack. Yeah. Um, and I tell you what, my legs are not sore at all. My mm-hmm. body's not sore. Mm-hmm. My lungs after that first day hiking all the way up there, um, you know, and, and getting there with authority, were, they were burning. So uh, muscle fatigue sets in early with the lack of O2 saturation. Yeah, right? I didn't actually, I did not have any muscle fatigue. It was well, just... let's talk for the normal human. So, oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> not these specialty, uh, yeah. you know, caliber folks that you are. So um, what I mean by that is, you know, typically like in a sedentary environment, yeah. In my in my actual work environment, you right. walk into a room with somebody with an O2 sat of 87. Mm-hmm. You got a little cause for concern that hey, you know, uh, they're probably not doing so well. Their systems yeah. aren't all sinking, and they're not mm-hmm. actually uh, oxygenating their muscles and their heart and everything else mm-hmm. as much as it needs to be. When you were at 10,000 feet, and I looked this up because of our discussion earlier, I was like, I wonder what he was actually feeling or sensing, mm-hmm. right? When you're at 10,000 feet, your oxygen saturations for a normal healthy person are at about 87%. Yeah. You and I right now, healthy, no no issues, though I got a little cork in the throat tonight. Um, mm-hmm. 97 percentile, normal, you know, room oxygen. Yeah, right. Sedentary, not doing anything. Okay, you're at 87 at 10,000 feet, and now you're working once you knock these animals yeah, down. right, right. And you felt it. Well, we were even working before we got there. I mean, it was a very up. steep yeah. country. Oh, it was yeah. just a hike. Yeah. Um, hiking with full packs, yeah. rifle, tripod, the whole nine yards, um, you know, and it was, it was bad. I mean, one of the, one of our guys was coughing up blood. I mean, it, it was, it was brutal. It's pretty brutal country. Um, but we got there, right? So we yeah. get, we get to the point where it's like, okay, maybe, you know, like one more, one more small ridge and we're going to see this herd. And sure enough, um, you know, my buddy Herb pops over the ridge and he goes, there they are. They're right there. And it's like, okay. And so we combat crawl the last 20 yards to get within shooting position. And I think it must've been, you know, probably his 26-inch barrel and his Christians, Christensen Arms Ridgeline, or maybe that 9-inch suppressor they maybe saw. Maybe the 9-inch suppressor. But um, mm-hmm. they saw something, right? They saw us, and they go, oh, huh. that's not normal. What are they doing here? Time and to go. So they were, all, they were bedded on this mm-hmm. open face. Um, so they get up, and they start, you know, slowly exiting the area. And I say, Herb, go for it. You know, Herb's, Herb's number one shooter always because he's got a suppressor, right? Sure. So it's not... It doesn't ring the alarm, um, you know, like a 55% reduction break like I have on my 300 wind med. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh. You know, so boom. So he shoots. He knocks one down um, right off the bat. Um, I look at Mark. I told Mark, go, you know. And because I was sitting there, I mean, I was a wreck because first I tried to get prone and I just had a little bit too much grass right in front of my barrel. I'm like, you're kidding me. Perfect. So now I got to get my tripod out. So I get the tripod. Uh-huh. Um, they're at about 250 yards, right? And I didn't want to really take an offhand shot. You know, you're looking at a herd, right? So you can't just start, you know, banging away. You have to pick one that's away from the rest of the elk, right? You mm-hmm. got to single one out, mm-hmm. make a good shot. Yeah. Um, and so I had my rifle in uh, kind of like a rifle case. And by the time I got up there, it was frozen to my rifle. Couldn't get it off? And so, no, I got it off. I got it off. Tear I just right ripped it off of there, right? And uh, um, Gilla Gorilla style. And so, it. you know, while I'm yeah. while I'm doing all this and getting the tripod set up, you know, and the elk are exiting, right? <laughs> Mark gets one. He knocks one down. So now you got now we got two elk down, and they're kind of going they're, they're going up towards the ridge, right? And the ridge is about um, about ten four, ten six, and um, you know they're they're trying to make it there, right? Because they want to go out the back door. They want to yeah, yeah. exit get out of there and um i call for range and i hear 475 and that's where this you know that anthill of elk up there was at 475 and i go okay 
look at my dope sheet, 8 MOA, click, 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 put the crosshairs right on the right on the crease of the shoulder, pull the trigger, boom, and just absolutely smack this cow. Um, the interesting thing about all of our shots, they were all a little high. Oh. They were all spine shots. Interesting. So either there was an updraft, because it was windy. We had wind in our face. Sure. But it might have been an updraft, um, you know, or some other effect going on that we didn't account for in our dope. Huh. But just like that, in about nine seconds, we had three cows on the ground. And now, you know, the, <laughs> the work begins, right? Now the work begins. Yeah, and some work it was to get those things completely out of there and back to the truck and back down. And, uh, you know, that elevation is nothing to mess with. It's not a joke. Um, 4.3 miles round trip. Yeah. And each, each you know, it was a it was total, if you just look at the absolute value of elevation change, it was 1250. Mm. Um, but we had some ups and downs in there. And if you count for that, it was 1,403 feet yeah. every trip. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, good times. You know, uh, a lot of folks here in Washington constantly anymore – Put in the time to put in for out of state, Idaho, yeah. Idaho, Wyoming, mm-hmm. um, uh, Montana, but you know, Utah, Colorado. I mean, those are like the main five people really go after. Right. And the competitive nature of it anymore. So our buddy, Steve Kramer, sent me a message the other day, you know, uh, Idaho opened up for the online submission to get on yeah. there and you get in line, get on there. It's like, how much time do you have? You better have a day off work. Yeah, you need a day off work. I think Kramer was yeah. uh, twenty thousand. Yeah, twenty thousand seven forty-seven. Here's your number. Yeah, get in line. I believe he was online for six or seven hours. Unfortunately, he he was fortunate that he got the tag for the unit he wanted to hunt for deer. Yeah, there are other people that are like, nope, sorry, sold out, sold out, sold out, sold out. Well, you got over twenty thousand yeah. people getting on there vying for the tag, as you had mentioned, which is sound advice. Put in for your tag if you get it. You know, if nothing else, you're going to get the points. And then try to, you know, it's all about, for me and you, it's about putting meat in the freezer. Mm-hmm. And you, my friend, uh, whitetail and a couple of cow elk yeah, out of different states. I mean, let's face it, this stuff gets expensive. Mm-hmm. You go to multiple states throughout the season and come home unsuccessfully, you're, it's a lot of money. Yeah, it is, but it's worth it. But it's I mean, worth I, it, you know? It's worth it. I would say, you know, with the Idaho, the, you don't have a point system. It's a little bit different. Yeah, yeah. And and the challenge there is that, um, you know, with they, they, they've capped the non-resident tags. Correct. And as a result, they have made this really, you know, derby-style tag application, right? And for you to get the tag, you have to be logged on first thing in the morning. Yep. You have to have a computer that's in perfect shape. Yeah. You have to have internet that, yeah. that runs without exception. Yep. Right? And you have to hope that at the time that you um, click that button, their server is also working. Yeah. And if any one of those things is not, you may just get kicked out and you lose your place in line and there goes Start your tag over. for the year. Yep. So the, yep. the Idaho system, I think, is broken. Um, and it's already broken up my group for next year, for oh, next year's hunt. Is that right? Um, for next year's bull hunt. And so we've, we've got two guys that didn't get tags. Oh. So, you know, I think, I think we need to see a change there. But, um, you know, I'm going to keep applying. Yeah, of course. No matter what. Yeah, absolutely. So. All right. Well, nicely done, my friend. Uh, next week you can come back. Just, you know, cooler. I'll send you home with a big cooler. Uh-huh. And you just pack. You want me to put rocks in it? Yeah, no. Uh, okay. You know, some choice cuts <laughs> of one of those elk for sure. All right, good stuff. Uh, hey, we're gonna jump out for a couple minute break. Don't go anywhere. When you come back, 
uh, Ryland Waithman is going to join us. He is in the running for that open vacancy on the east side of the state of Washington for that commission seat. I'm going to talk to Ryland as to why he's put his name into the running and uh, why it is it is so important for us, Tommy, as those Ooh. who hunt and fish and enjoy the outdoors uh, here in Washington State, to have a man like him sitting currently on our Fish and Wildlife Commission, especially with what we've been enduring the last several weeks and some of the decisions being made. We need somebody in there to, I guess I could say, right the ship. Mm -hmm. So, okay, don't go anywhere. Rylan Waithman, when we come back, right here, Fish on Northwest. A Northwest favorite for almost 40 years, Arima boats are manufactured with pride right here in Bremerton, Washington. Arima Boats offers all of our boats with Honda outboard packages so that you can take full advantage of the reliability and five-year top-to-prop warranty from your Honda outboard. With literally thousands of Arima Boats on the water throughout the Pacific Northwest, Arima Boats are a proven hull design that offers incredible fuel economy and all of the amenities that a serious angler is looking for. All Arima boats are built without any structural wood materials. That is why we back our boats with a lifetime warranty. All of our Arima boats are designed to maximize deck space while also providing ample seating. Contact us today at Arima Boats for all your boating needs and let us help you get out on the water. Today, the need for quality private security services is at an all-time high. Contract Security Service provides day-to-day -day peace of mind as they protect people and property. Here at Phoenix, we provide service for multiple state and federal contracts with services ranging from uniform, patrol, alarm monitoring, canine detection, executive protection, as well as investigative work. Phoenix client management models are built on understanding our client's security needs and responding with a tailored program that is best fit for them. Phoenix provides excellent customer service through well-trained, highly motivated security professionals. Recruiting highly qualified officers is the first step in building a strong team. Currently, we are comprised of 70% prior law enforcement and military veterans. If you are prior military or law enforcement, go to www.phoenixprotectivecorps.com and apply today. Hey, welcome back, Fish Hunt Northwest. Wayne England, Tommy Dolan here in studio. And once again, nicely done on those hunts there, buddy. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, very successful season for you and your own right now. We're going to get you out in the duck blind. That's going to mm -hmm. be something new and uh, something for you to look forward to. But before we get there, hey, our next guest, one that uh, many folks are anticipating a great discussion here this evening. There's a good reason I called up Ryland. I talked, uh, we talked last year once or twice as he was moving towards putting his name in the running for that open commission seat on the east side of the state of Washington. And we've kind of kept in contact. And uh, Ryland Waithman with the law firm of Foster and Garvey, uh, and by his own right, an accomplished outdoorsman, um, <laughs> to say the least, if you follow uh, any of his uh, information out there, you'll know what I'm talking about. Ryland, welcome to the show, and thank you so much for joining us tonight. Appreciate it, guys. Happy to be here, and uh, I really do appreciate the opportunity to talk. As anybody who knows me knows, I love to do that. <laughs> yeah, well, you are an attorney, so that makes sense. Uh, you found your calling. So, hey, it's been about a year or so since you put your name into the running, uh, looking at that open seat on the east side 
of the uh, of the state to fill the vacancy for the commission and represent that east side uh, on the Fish and Wildlife Commission. Um, we want folks to know that you're still in the running because uh, maybe perhaps a few had forgotten, especially over here on this west side, people are trying to figure out what exactly is going on there, knowing we have a vacancy. But uh, before we jump there, uh, let's jump a little bit into your background and, you know, why have you considered this position or what made you throw your your name in the uh, the, the hat there? Sure. So uh, for those who don't know me, I'm, I'm a 509er at heart. Originally, you know, grew up in Kashmir and then took some detours uh, for school and law school and whatnot. And, um, and now I'm, you know, I find myself coming back to my roots, uh, you know, back up here in the Methow Valley. My wife and I live here up in Terrace. Um, and I've been a lifelong, you know, fisherman and hunter, um, you know, since I was a kid. Um, you know, fishing and hunting is a huge uh, part of my life. Uh, in fact, if you talk to most people, it's probably the biggest part of my life. Um, and, you know, relating to the commission, I had people uh, asking me, you know, to consider throwing my, in my hat in the bucket, you know. And I was always making excuses to myself why I shouldn't do it or couldn't do it. Um, it's no secret, you know. It's not a, not a, you know, a job of grandeur. <laughs> yeah. You don't get paid, and you're making a lot of really difficult decisions. Um, but I found myself uh, constantly second guessing the decisions that were being made. I found myself, you know, criticizing the results that were coming out, and I finally had to look in the mirror and say, you know what? If you think you can do a better job you should do it, you know, put your money where your mouth is. And so, um, I finally just said, you know what, I'm going to do it. I'm going to put my name in there. I'm going to put whatever qualifications I have. And if enough people believe in me, um, that I can serve in that role, I'm going to do the best damn job that I can. So, you know, you know, all for better, all for worse. So Ryland, most people know that there's nine commission seats and they know that currently eight are filled and you know a lot of a lot of hunters and even fishermen are even aware that you know we had a, a recent tie on our bear or spring bear hunt vote and if it's a tie it's a, it's automatically a no go you don't go forward with that hunt and so right. um, can you help remind people why there are nine commission seats sure and it, and this is this is actually super important to me uh, you know we have nine seats and the whole purpose of the commission is to get a representation of the entire state to take in perspectives from all the various communities that we have. Three of those seats are designated for the Western uh, counties. Three of those states are designated for Eastern counties and three of them are designated for, and it was called at large. They can be served by someone in either an Eastern or Western County. Um, No County can have more than one person on the commission. So the whole design is set up to you know, gather diverse perspectives. Right now, only eight of those seats are filled, and only two of those eight are are folks from Eastern Washington. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, if, if you were to ask me, kind of in the basic sense, why is it important? Well, it's set up to get diverse perspective, and we're not right. We're not getting that perspective. The spring bear hunt decision that that just came through the commission is a is a great and kind of sad example of it. You have really important management decisions that are being made by the current commission um, that affect largely eastern Washington interests, mm-hmm. and yet you're not getting the full perspective from those eastern Washington communities. And I'm not saying you have to accept the perspective that comes from those communities, 
but the system is set up to consider them, right? And if you're not taking them in, I don't think the commission is doing what it is supposed to be doing. Yeah, it's a it's a very valid point and one that you know, quite frankly, cannot be argued. So it's a you know it's imperative that we get uh, that seat filled and. You've often told me, hey, if not by you, at least somebody that's qualified to serve. However, uh, it would appear that the majority of folks would really like to see you uh, taking that position because of the benefits you bring to rounding out the commission with your, with your open-mindedness. Let me ask you something. The other day, you and I were having a great discussion on the statutory directive uh, of the commission. And currently, as it sits... First of all, I'd like to explain to folks who may not know what that exactly is. And currently, as it sits, do you think that obligation is being met? Sure. And that, and that is actually a great set of questions and obviously a topic that's near and dear to, to my uh, mm-hmm. passion. Um, while fish and wildlife management is, is complicated, everybody agrees that it's complex. It involves all types of scientific data, all types of relationships. The directive of the commission is pretty damn simple, Right. Um, there's a conservation directive where they have to basically do no harm. You manage fish and wildlife populations so they can be sustained. And then there's a, there's an actual directive that the Fish and Wildlife Commission has to make decisions to maximize opportunity for fishing and hunting, right? There's a, it, 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 it's about uh, consumption. It's consumptive use, and it's built right into the statutory directive of the commission. Um, you know, and that's important to me because obviously I'm a fisherman, I'm a hunter, and, and as of late, some of the discussions and decisions that have come up in front of the commission, which I'm sure most people watching this show are aware of, um, there seems to be a, uh, a diversion away from this statutory directive. You know, commissioners are required to maximize opportunity for hunting and fishing, it's black and white, and yet we have conversations going on at the commission um, where science is being um, presented to the commission by by WDFW staff, and that science is pretty much uh, undisputed. Um, it, is, it establishes a, a certain issue that needs to be addressed, and we have commissioners basically looking at that and saying, "Nah, nah, we, we don't want we don't want to follow the science. We don't want to apply it. We, you know, maybe we should just adjust our goals." Maybe we should adjust our priorities. Maybe we should be more conservation-minded. Maybe we should lower hunting, even though hunting, according to the WFW staff, had nothing to do with it. Um, it's frustrating. It's frustrating to me because, you know, I listen to those conversations, and it's just a clear uh, diversion away from what the commission is required to do mm-hmm. by law. So, you know, talking a little bit more about um, the responsibilities of the commission, doesn't the commission have the responsibility to draft a policy for the WDFW and the director to follow? The commission, yes, part of the part of the commission's responsibility is to direct the department, and you know, and it, it does do that. Um, some would question the direction that the commission is trying to go lately. I mean, I, I'm aware, and I'm sure other people are aware that there is a movement um, within the commission, and some would say. In within the department to change the uh, focus from being you know consumption oriented to being conservation oriented. And don't get me the wrong way, I'm a huge believer in conservation. Without conservation, we don't have consumption. Yeah, just otherwise is naive, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. That's, that's, <clears throat> you know, you have to have one before the other. But there is a difference between managing just for the sake of managing 
and managing for the sake of maximization for recreational opportunity, which right now is what our commission is required to do. It's not up for debate, but that's what the statute says. (laughs) So as you kind of have mentioned, Ryland, uh, as we've all been paying attention to questions as of late, um, to the commission and and some of the some of the answers provided, uh, some of the direction they're steering, I guess the outcome of, of their decision making process. You know, as you sit as a commissioner, do you think it's a hard internal battle that that you weigh in on when it comes down to making decisions based on scientific data supplied by field staff, boots on the ground, so to speak, the biologists in the field. For WDFW, uh, which, you know, you made a point to say you rely on, versus this emotional base, this, there seems to be this overwhelming higher percentile of non-participants that somehow have grabbed a hold of a few of our current city commissioners, and they're really swaying their decision-making process. It's almost like it's getting wrapped up in this emotional battle. Uh, why do you think that's happening, and is that is that something you you know, obviously things should not be going on. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm not a, an expert on, on sociology, but. Uh, <laughs> True. Yeah. Fair, <laughs> I mean, fair my enough. Gut, my gut, but my gut is that the commission is being turned into something that's political. Right. I mean, and, yeah. and some people may, some people may think that that's what it is. Right. Some people may, Oh, it's a government appointed position. You know, they obviously have to, you know, be political, but it's not political. The commission is a citizen's body, right? You know, it, sure, it it serves it, it serves at the at the you know at the behest of the governor, but it, its obligations and duties are not political. You're supposed to sit there, use your brain, take in information, apply the best <laughs> science, and make objective decisions Amen. that you believe best serve the fundamental policies of the commission. That's what you're supposed to do. And, and in context by context, right? Yeah. I mean, situ- not every situation is the same. Not every herd management decision needs to be the same. Predator management isn't the same in every area. So you really have to approach these things with, with a humble approach. I don't know everything there is to know about shrimp management in Puget Sound or elk management in the Blue Mountains or whitetail uh, management in the Northeast. Um, but we employ people who are experts in those fields who right. do study, right. provide us scientific information, and that I'm required to, you know, to digest that, to understand it, and to make good objective decisions on policies that I think best serve the objectives of the commission, which are, again, conservation and maximizing opportunity. My job's the easy job. My job's the easy job, right? It, but when politics are kind of inserted into the process, it, it doesn't just pervert the commission, right? I mean, it destroys the entire organization. Yeah, it basically breaks down the process. You know, it becomes something that it was never intended to be, right? I mean, it, it's it got this overwhelming, I don't know, direction it seems to be heading, which isn't, uh, which isn't warranted by any means if they would just stick to the basic facts. And like you said, you don't have to be an expert on everything. I think what you need to be is a good listener and one who can use deductible reasoning to, you know, take input um, in your line of work. You listen to your clients. In my line of work, we listen to our patients and persons. Tommy, he has influx from folks that work in his on his crew. You listen to those important bits of information to make sound decisions for the betterment of all. And I just don't see it happening. What uh, what can folks do 
to kind of make sure or, you know, in, ensure we're doing our part as those who hunt and fish in Washington State to uh, let those that need to hear it that, uh, hey, we want you in that seat. We want you representing that east side. We want you as part of our current seating uh, Fish and Wildlife Commission. Who do we need to get a hold of? Where can they send emails or messages to to try and try and propel you into that seat? Right. Well, I mean, first of all, don't just limit the input to getting me on the commission. If, if you folks have, uh, you know, a point of view on policies, on management, make those points of views known, right? I might, in my, you know, my understanding of things, the, the more information, the better. That's true in my practice. That's true in my life generally. And it, it's got to be true in fish and wildlife management. So um, when there are commission meetings, sign on, leave comments, you know, make your voice heard. Yeah, good point. With regard to with regard to the commission seat, you know, you, you mentioned um, how I just want it filled, and that's true. Whether it's me or it's someone who hopefully more qualified than me who fills that position, I just think it's so important to get the perspective um, from every angle, and that includes the angle up here, you know, in eastern Washington and Okanagan County, um, you know, because that, it really fulfills the process. To, to do that, if you want to help, the governor's page has a link where you can fill out a form and submit you know, submit your comments there specific to the commission. Um, you can contact your local representatives, whether your legislator or your local senator. Um, if you want to get more specific, contact the uh, Senate you know, Natural Resources Committee, the folks who are on, you know, who chair and who are on that committee. They have a direct uh, impact on this process. And, you know, let your voice be heard um, because that part of it is politics. Right. That part of it is politics. And, and, you know, they want to know that decisions they're making that are at least um, in line with, you know, what they perceive the public wants. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, excellent bit of information there to steer folks in the right direction, try to rally some support and see if we can't move forward on getting this ninth uh, seat filled. Ryland, we're going to keep track of what's happening in regards to this. If there's any you know, movement that comes up. If you find out any bits of information, want to get a hold of me and just kind of make me aware so we can let our followers know what's happening. A lot of folks are starting to set their eyes on our current commission. Uh, a lot of it has to do with some of the decision-making process that's come out of that group as of late. And, uh, you know, Tommy and I always say, hey, the more educated we can, we can get folks to understand what's truly going on at the state level, the better meant for all of us as we want to make sure we can maximize our opportunity on the water and in the woods and with folks like you going to battle for us, we can't help but do anything but help support that cause. So, hey, thanks for taking the time tonight. Fantastic information and uh, hope to stay in touch. Appreciate it, guys. Have a good night. Yep. Thank Have you. a good one. We'll see you. Where they go, uh, Ryland Waithman, uh, very, very smart individual. Again, very accomplished outdoorsman. Passionate, Tommy. Yeah. You know, and um, good head on his shoulders. He has a very broad perspective, which I think as a commissioner is what you want. Yep. Also, you want somebody that partakes in the events you and I like to partake in. Well, yeah, that too. But I mean, and just really um, looking at objective data and not and not playing to emotions. 100%. I mean, as, as an engineer, yeah. Yeah. listening to the conversation that we've had around the Blues Mountains elk mm-hmm. and the spring bear hunt, yeah. it just drives me nuts. Oh, you just want to... Because it's yeah. not... Those decisions aren't based in logic. Nope. Right? So you need somebody that's level-headed, logical. Yeah. And that's Ryland. So. Yeah. He's going to, you know, let's hope. Let's hope. And uh, there's no reason for Governor Inslee not to move forward 
on putting Ryland into that seat. And there's no reason for the Senate to not confirm him in that position for a six-year term. Uh, as he said, get on the webpage, get on the governor's webpage, get on the WDFW Fish and Wildlife Commission page, let your comments be heard, get a hold of uh, your local representatives and senators to make it known that we want Ryland uh, to find his way on to the Fish and Wildlife Commission. It'd sure be nice to know we have a friend there. Mm -hmm. Amen. So, all right, with that, good stuff. Uh, appreciate everybody tuning in. If you got questions, follow-up questions, maybe you want us to get to him, you can also hit us up uh, via the questions here on uh, our Facebook page or YouTube channel. Comments are uh, answered there often and on a regular basis, so please provide us with your input, and we will make sure to follow up with uh, Ryland as much as we can. Going to jump out for a quick break, Tommy. When we come back, I'm going to introduce you <laughs> via phone. And wait till you meet this guy. We'll get over there on the east yeah. side, and we're going to meet up with Sammy at some point. I guarantee Perfect. it. Yeah, Sammy. But matter of fact, we'll see him at the Sportsman Show, if not before. All right. Okay, so we got that to look forward to. But uh, the anti-pro himself, many people are waiting to get him on. Uh, as we found out at the break, long-standing friends with Ryland. Mm -hmm. Sammy and Ryland <laughs> go way back. I had no idea when I set the show up tonight. I was just pulling on a couple folks from the east side with all that's going on wanted to get this stuff on there so uh we are going to jump out for a couple minute break we come back the anti-pro himself sam baird salmon salmon guide service right here at fish on northwest sportco and outdoor emporium is the largest local outfitter in the northwest since 1975 providing thousands of people affordable outdoor gear Make your next outdoor adventure more affordable by shopping at our warehouse-style pricing. We are a local Scotty dealer, offering sales, service, and repair. Located in Fife and Seattle, come visit us today. The outdoors await you. It's easier than ever to browse homes and connect with an agent on the go with Better Homes and Gardens Real Estate's mobile app. With the app, your home search is synced across all of your devices, so you can pick up your home search anytime, anywhere. Take full advantage of an enriched, mobile-optimized map search experience. Use location services to quickly find homes near you that match your search criteria. Draw your own map boundaries to find homes in a specific area, and apply layers to view school districts, neighborhoods, zip codes, and more. The app's user-friendly design makes it easier than ever to find a home you'll love. Narrow down your search results, save your search criteria, and save your favorite homes. You can browse your saved homes in a list view that puts photos and key details, like price and square footage, right at your fingertips. Or check out your saved homes displayed on the map. Welcome back, Fish on Northwest. Wayne England, Tommy Donlin here in studio. Now, Tommy, this next guest, I'm telling you. Matter of fact, when, uh, when we see him at the Sportsman Show, if not before, yeah. I'm going to take a picture of you two standing next to each other. It's going to kind of be like the movie Twins. Yeah. Arnold and Danny DeVito. Well, I, I do see that um, Alberto has referred to Sammy as the sexy man-child. Well, he is that, too. Yeah. He's all of that. He's all that and more. Sammy Baird, so glad you're joining me finally once again. Been far too long, my friend. How are you doing, buddy? Hey, I'm doing great, guys. Thanks for having me on. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and just so you know, I am definitely Arnold and not Danny DeVito. <laughs> <laughs> it must be a height thing. Yeah, yeah. you're you're a towering six four. If anybody's met yes. you, yeah, for sure. What do you think of that? Uh, our uh, previous interview with uh, Ryland, uh, somebody you've known pretty much your whole life. Yeah, I've known Ryland forever. You know, uh, met him in the outdoors. Uh, we stayed close through the years. 
Um, exactly what he was saying during his interview. That's what you get with Rylan. He, uh, like I say, he, he needs we as sportsmen, West Side, East Side, all over the state. We need Rylan in that seat. He's somebody to really, really push for sportsmen, and uh, and I'll tell you, he has the anti pros full support on getting this commission seat. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think um, as we kind of were talking, he's got a ton of support there on the east side and here on the west side. We're, our goal is just to make folks aware of who he is and uh, why it's so important to get a, an ally like him in the seat for us. Uh, he's going to do some really good things. So uh, it was great that he could join us tonight. Now, sticking with the east side and uh, talking with you in regards to some east side fisheries, you, my friend, as of late, have spent a little bit of time over at the beloved Rufus Woods, and one that has become also a favorite when it comes to trout fishing of my co-host sitting to my immediate right, Mm -hmm. uh, Mr. Thomas Donlin, who cannot get enough of that place and is chomping at the bit to get back. Um, Let's put it out there first and foremost. It's no secret, Sammy, and I want you to weigh in on this, that, look, the West Side Fisheries, with the abundance of closures and things that we're running into over here, is making for a caravan of folks to come across the border and get uh, to that east side opportunity. Are you anticipating a pretty strong showing and presence of a lot of pressure on Rufus Woods this season? Yeah, Dwayne, I really am. You know, and I've fished that, that reservoir since I was a kid, and I have seen influx of people since, you know, for years. Yeah. Um, my whole thing is, and, and part of what why I call myself the anti-pro <laughs> is I, I see these closures happening over there and I see an influx of people over here to all our fisheries on the east side. And my goal is to educate so that we all fish with each other instead of against each other. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of my goal here today is to kind of just, you know, give, give people some options on that reservoir because I know it's going to get flooded with folks. Yeah, you know, I, I've never, I've been there once, Sammy, and I've never seen a fight break out at a net pen before. But I mean, I can imagine that maybe we're just, uh, you know, just a, couple a few months, months away, away from, from that happening yeah. with the influx of people. Uh-huh. So what I'm really curious about is, you know, talking about catching these fish away from the net pens. It sounds like you've had some success doing that. Um, walk us through that. Yeah. How does that work? So basically, my whole theory is on that reservoir. I, I don't like to fish the net pens. I never have liked to fish them. I, I personally, you know, it's all personal choice. I, I prefer to get away from those net pens. One, I think the fish taste a lot better because they're not eating the fish food. Mm-hmm. Um, but my thing is I grew up steelhead fishing the rivers around here, and I loved it. And that is something that has been taken away from us, and we don't get anymore. So I like to get away from the net pens as far as I can. I mean, that, we all know that that reservoir is 55 miles long. There's a lot of water that exists outside of those net pens. Mm-hmm. So what I like to do and what I did with another guide buddy of mine and, and I've been doing for years is I get away and I, and I fish it like you would steelhead. Bobbers and jigs, just jigs, drift fishing them, uh, working shorelines, current seams, um, and such like that to, to go target the fish that get away from there. And what I've always found is you're going to still get large fish, but you're going to catch fish that are more streamlined. They're not as fat and lazy. They, they're going to fight harder. They're going to taste better. Hmm. So my whole thing is, is get away from those pins. Explore the other well, probably 53 and a half miles of water. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> spread out, get away from the crowd, right. and, and go have fun. 
that's the thing. The way I fish that, that reservoir is so much more fun than sitting at a net pin with an anchor out or a bow mount out and just sitting there. It's actual fishing. It's, it's going out and learning how to read that water. And it's about the closest thing that steelhead fishing that we get on the east side anymore. So you're, you're kind of prefacing or uh, continue to uh, state, you know, reading water or fishing that moving water. So one thing you'll notice over there, like if you're sitting on anchor and you are fishing around the net pins, they increase and decrease flow on that reservoir periodically throughout the day, right? So your your yeah. flow increases, decreases. So reading water um, on a water on a river that sustains a laminar flow that's consistent. I mean, you can gauge water flow and current <laughs> speed and all that continuously. This is a reservoir where the water speed of flow changes on a pretty regular basis. But is there any any insight you have in regards to that? Are you still looking for those little rock outcroppings, things that change direction of current flow, things that make, you know, soft side seams, back eddies? Talk a little bit about what you're looking for specific to reading water and ideal water that you're finding these fish. So what I always look for in any kind of situation like that, and I mean, it goes right along with Chinook fishing or sockeye or anything else on a river system is, you're looking for those breaks. So again, like you said, they, they raise the current, they lower the current on, on that reservoir. So what I always say is if the current is flowing, get away from the dam. If the current is not flowing, get closer to the dam. You're always going to have some current the closer to the dam you get, mm. but if they shut it off, you get away from the, or if they turn it on heavy, go down reservoir. I mean, I have a lot of success right above chief Joseph dam. That's actually probably my favorite spot to fish it. So when I talk about reading water, though, is, yeah, look for those current seams. Look for breaks in the water. Like you just said, places where the current changes. These fish are a sterile rainbow. They have one thing on their mind, and that's food. They want to eat. That's all they want to do. I refer to them as like an old cut dog. Tommy's a triploid. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I refer to them as like an old cut dog. All they want to do is lay around and eat and do nothing else. An old cut dog. So, yeah, you just look for those little current scenes, structure. Yeah. If the current is flowing, work the current, work the seam lines. If they kill the current, that is when you go into the deeper pools, take the bobbers off, and start actually deep working jigs. So back to your uh, cast and retrieve on a Twitch presentation. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Let's talk a little bit about that bobber setup. So we're free drifting along with the current. (laughs) Are we engaging our kicker motor, staying just a little, uh, even with current speed? Or, you know, how do we gauge that? And then presenting that bobber, you know, as a slip float, size of jig, some of the color patterns that work. Let's break down the whole setup. Okay, so the setup that you would run, I like to run slip bobbers always, but I never I never really seem to go below 10 feet in depth because mm-hmm. I am working shorelines. Okay. Um, it's, it, Rufus has a very obvious cut edge to it where you're going to see shallow go to deep. That's where the fish are going to lay because, again, they're, they're always looking for food. So what I like to run, though, is a slip bobber. So I run my slip up, run the bobber, put like, uh, you know, quarter ounce slip sinker to a swivel and then like a three foot leader. So really you don't really need a slip bobbers, but it, it does help if you do happen to go a little deeper with casting or if you happen to cast longer. Sure. Um, I like like an eight ounce jig, even as far down to a 16 ounce jig. Uh, any color pattern that involves black, I like black and purple, black and red, black and pink, 
just black, black and white, anything with black on it, yeah. I seem to do a lot better on. Some guys like brighter colors. Uh, one of my buddies that does it that I'll mention later, he likes bright colors. I don't. Uh, but it's all personal preference. The thing is, again, these fish want to eat, so they will eat. A lot of guys will tip their jigs with uh, with shrimp. Um, the thing is about Rufus, what everybody needs to know, if you catch a fish and you land it, it counts towards your limit. So on if, you're bait, using, yes, on if, bait. if you're using any bait yeah. or scent, right, scent yep. uh, you ha- they count towards your limit. Mm-hmm. So me personally, I don't like to use bait because I want to keep having fun and catch and releasing to try to get bigger fish. Right. Um, but yeah, just a regular slip barber, you know, and use a heavier one uh, when you talk current and if you're engaging your motor, uh, it all depends on current flow. You want to be, you want your boat to drift the same speed as your bobber so that you can cover more water without having to bring it in. So at times you are engaging it. At times you're letting the current push you. It all depends on the flow. So are you always fishing kind of that, that bobber jig setup in shallow? Are you fishing some deeper holes as well? Are you using no, your sonar? Like talk about kind of some of the other tactics that you might be using. So I do not like to use, I do, I do not like to use a bobber in any deeper water situations because there you're, you're going to be fishing more stagnant fish. Um, that when I'm in deeper water, I like to use a jig where like Dwayne mentioned the twitching technique, throw it out, let it sink, count it down and then twitch it back to the boat to try to cover water that way. Sure. I use the bobber in a higher current situation because then the bobber is moving your, your lure down the, the river, which is then covering water. The thing is about these fish, it's all about covering water, mm-hmm. but you do have the guys that go out with, you know, power bait on the bottom or worms and marshmallows and just plunk on the bottom in the deeper holes. Um, and that is very successful as well. But again, for me personally, I like to fish it kind of old steelhead style and go work some water and, and free drift down the river. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, cover water, get out away from folks, get onto fish that haven't been pressured, they haven't seen much, so yep. they should be snapping fairly well. And, you know, who doesn't want to watch that bobber drain and then have instant hookup uh, versus just sitting there on anchor and throwing bait off the bottom? Or, you know, twitching jigs is fun. It's a great and yep. effective way to do it. But, uh, you know, I think we're all in agreement here. Uh, within the next few months, we're going to see a mass uh, assault on Rufus. Mm-hmm. And uh, some of those areas... Could become pretty crowded. I certainly hope it doesn't come to the point where folks are leaving the launch at two and three in the morning just to go get on anchor and hold their spot. I mean, that just yeah. that just is uh, you know replicating what it is we're subjected to on some of our fisheries here on the west side, and that's absolutely what we do not want to see. Not to mention the east side guys don't need that type of aggravation. So right. yeah. I'm hoping we can all you know get there, spread out, enjoy the opportunity again you mentioned it sammy it's a 55 mile long reservoir them fish spread out throughout and it's time to spread the people out that's the biggest thing i want people to know is they don't have to get in that crowd they can and honestly the way that i'm talking about fishing this with free drift and bobbers and stuff it's way more fun than sitting at those pens people need to understand that that these fish are spread the full 55 miles of this this reservoir and you can get away from that crowd and go have a great time on the water hey i got a question here from uh alberto when you're talking shrimp are you referring to like tiger prawn and are you microwaving those to toughen them up a little bit or are you just fishing right out of the bag so albert is a goofy guy uh yeah, when I used yeah. To talk about, yeah i used to talk about uh overcooking your corn with scent and he thought that i was microwaving it right 
So yeah, but no. Uh, so shrimp wise, I usually I just use my sockeye shrimp if I'm yeah. going to use shrimp. Okay. So yeah, uh, spot prawn. Yep. Uh, whatever they call. Them. Yeah. Uh, and then with that, so you got a buddy over there that's running trips who is you know one who yeah. does this gets out, moves around on the reservoir, gets people out away from the crowds, gets out away from the net pins. If people yeah. want to come and experience that, uh, whether they have a boat if they don't great if they do and they just want to come learn this technique and then be able to understand what it is we're talking about um let's throw that name out there so people know who to get a hold of and what they can expect yeah so most definitely um there's only one guide on that reservoir that i know that fishes the way that i do and that's brian main of can of bait guide service he he absolutely knows how to run this bobber this bobber run. I don't personally guide this fishery. I take time off because it's cold out. Yeah. But if anybody wants to get over there and experience what I'm so passionately talking about right now and how much fun this is, and if they want to have a great time, they can get a hold of Brian at 509-787-8241. And I know he has openings and he is an absolute blast for people to fish with. I'm telling you right now, people would be, would be very lucky to get out there and learn this fishery from Awesome. Is he on uh, social media, Facebook or Instagram? Yes, sir. He is on. He is on uh, Facebook at Can of Bait Guide Service. Can of Bait Guide Service. Look him up, folks. You're gonna uh, get introduced to a little bit of different technique and opportunity over there at Rufus. Cover some water and see some amazing scenery that doesn't involve a bunch of nets over pins. So, Amen. yeah. All right, Sammy. Great stuff, buddy, as always. Uh, looking forward to seeing you. If we don't uh, somehow connect and get over there and fish together here in the next month or two, we'll definitely be uh, spending a little time together at the Sportsman Show. Always a pleasure, buddy, and uh, really enjoyed having you on. Hey, look forward to talking to you again, guys. You all take care. All right, you buddy. too. Take care. Thank you. There you go, the infamous anti-pro himself, Sam Baird. Uh, loved by many, hated by few. <laughs> Just a great guy. Class act, Sammy is uh, definitely all of that. Hey, thanks for joining us here on the Fish Hunt Northwest weekly podcast. I want to remind everyone that you can catch our weekly live stream show on our Facebook page and, of course, our YouTube channel every Thursday evening at 6 p.m. West Coast time. You'll get our insightful in-studio interviews, our extremely detailed how-to segments in the bait lab, the infield segments we bring to you when we're on the water or in the woods, and of course, our amazing cooking recipes in the kitchen with co-host Sherry England and chef Jeff Maxfield. Give us a follow on our Facebook page at Fish Hunt Northwest. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel at Fish Hunt NW. Find us on Twitter and Instagram, and finally, Go to our webpage at www.fishhuntnw.com for all the latest and greatest info. Join us each week here on our podcast. Join us each week at our live production. Have a great week, everybody. We'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.